Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the corner where the treats is is this the the passing of the torch, right? Is this what this signifies? It, it comes down to that that front office and what they feel is most important. The champ is here. We've touched down from a higher plane. Why you made it here? We always look forward to that week because it was always intense. You know that we ain't coming back. We got to the man, the myth, the legend, Dante Hall. My 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 favorite player growing up was Dante Hall. I love you guys, show, but Dante was my guy. Get to dashing because you done on the war feet. This episode of Chief Concerns is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hey. hey, Marcus, how you doing, buddy? Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry to all our viewers. <laughs> um, okay, so again, uh, but I, I say you, you look great, by the way. I, I, I second what uh, what Lance said. You look great, Thank JD, you, as Appreciate always, it. of course. Um, but but I said the, the, my, my biggest takeaway was the defense looked really good for uh, this game. Uh, there was a carryover of the second half against Tennessee. But my biggest takeaway was Ceh. Kind of done in this offense. I mean, he had his two, he had, he had the two uh, dr- drops. They were kind of bad balls, but he dropped those two balls, and that was pretty much it for the rest of the game for me. It was literally, see, it was Pacheco and McKinnon's backfield from that point on. Um, I mean, what, what's it say? What, was this maybe game script, or is it just kind of safe to say that CH is kind of ridden off out of this offense now? I mean, I, I don't want to go that far, you know, because you know, a guy like that, man, you, you know, you still need him. I mean, we know he's an effective back. He's an effective player. Uh, no question about it. Today was just Pacheco's day. It was uh, McKinnon. Sometimes these things happen. If, if you know, if guys having a bad game, you know, then that's why you have three-back rotation for the guys to come in. Uh, you know, it, it, you know, you never write a guy like that off. You, you can't. You, you just can't do it. Um, and so, like I said, I, I didn't get to see the first drop. You know, people were kind of talking about it, but you know, my thing is, uh, you know, maybe down the road, you're going to have to, le- you know, uh, lean upon it, you know, but it was effective as far as running the football. This is a game more suited, more geared for Pacheco's type of style. I mean, you know, it was just running down the hill, getting tough yards, and that's what you really needed against this defense. And so, um, you know, uh, obviously CEH will probably help out in a couple of other, you know, different ways, different games, but like today just wasn't his day. That's all it was. Yeah, you know, I, I think at this point of the season, it isn't reactionary to to point things out like that. I think what it is is the Chiefs are showing us, and Andy Reid's been known for this, that they go with the hot hand, and if it makes more sense in a particular matchup, that's what they're going to go with. And I and I thought it was I thought it was a, a great coaching idea that Andy Reid went with when Pacheco put the ball on the ground. You, you know, because most coaches, when that happens, especially young guys, they sit them down, they let them think on that, let them stew on that, and then they figure out what to do with them from there on out. Especially have veteran running backs like McKinnon and Clyde to to rely on in a, in, a, in a pinch. But they went right back to Isaiah. In fact, the next offensive play, the Chiefs ran the ball with Isaiah Pacheco, and that and you saw the confidence build from that for Pacheco. So I think this game was more about Pacheco and what the Chiefs see in him against a team like JD was just talking about, a team that you're going to have to earn those those yards and having a big grueling running back like like Isaiah Pacheco who runs a lot like Marion Barber back in the day that I've always I've always said he he reminds me of. Uh, just an angry runner. That's the kind of guy you want to have against this Jaguars defense to wear them down a little bit. And because of that fact, because he was effective in the run game, averaging over five point yards, 5.1 yards per carry in this game, 
you saw the balance attack really keep the Jaguars' defense on their heels, so much so that they had to start taking cheap-ass shots like they did throughout the game. So I, I really like what I saw from the Chiefs' uh, balance attack. I think Isaiah Pacheco was everything they needed out of the run game. I don't think Clyde is getting exited or exiled from this offense. I just think this particular matchup, he wasn't a relevant piece because in other games this year, we saw Clyde have games like this, and Pacheco did literally nothing. I think the Chiefs are just simply going by what they see in each and every matchup, and today, man, they hit an absolute home run out of it. Yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, that's I mean, that's, that's, that's exactly what they were doing. I mean, and, and the thing is, that's usually done. You know, you don't really say a guy's done or, you know, he's X out of offense. I mean, you see it every time, every week. I mean, it's happening. Another guy comes in, all of a sudden, he's, you know, He's, you know, he's he's got the hot hand. He's he's a guy yeah. that's doing a lot of the, uh, you know, the pressures and stuff like that. A lot of the yards. So I don't I don't think it's anything different. Especially like, look, we know this. This is the thing about this offense. We said this. It's all about getting the ball. If there's going to be a playmaker out there, then let him play, right? And we've seen that in with Kadarius Tony today uh, coming in. Juju got hurt. Hopefully he's doing. He's going to be doing well. You know, I know he's on uh, uh, the uh, concussion protocol. But Kadarius Tony, when he came in, you you seen the type of energy that he gives. I mean, it, yeah. I mean, the guy was electric today. I mean, just seeing that, I mean, it just gives you so much of a a hope and just seeing, like, man, they, they, these guys all got it. They do. And so, you know, uh, uh, Marquez Valdez Scantler catching that one handed catch, and so we got some skillful guys, man, at receiver, at tight end, at running back. And so that's the thing about our offense is not going to look like your traditional offense, you know, the eye formation, not even the spread. It's something all in it, in itself, right, just because of the pieces that we have around them. And then you have 15 getting the ball to them. And so that's the, that's the beauty of it is because you have such a premier pass uh, 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 passing quarterback, you know, could run the football, but you got great wide receivers and tight ends out there that can catch anything that you throw to them too. Yep. Um, another, so we talk about that, uh, another, another, uh, takeaway from this game as man, as Lance kind of alluded to was the, uh, kind of the, the dirty hits on our guys, the defensive receiver hits, uh, flags that got flag that got picked up against Juju. Uh, and then I think a player or two later, uh, MVS, uh, like got nailed. Um, same, same guy, Cisco, that, uh, that safety, uh, hard hitting guy, very, very old school, uh, like, um, Back in the day, I, I I love a guy like that on my on my squad. Um, what were, what were your takeaways from that, JD? You played in the league. You played in two different eras. Really, you played in that that you know the, the, the gritty early '90s. You know where this kind of stuff was. You know every every week you saw stuff like this, and then kind of where the game started to transition a little bit in the, in the 2000s. Um, so you know, kind of being more safe with the with the game. What did you make of the two hits on us, Cisco? Uh, look, man, I I I loved them. I love, I love seeing football like that. That's what football is all about, to be honest with you. Um, and I think the one on, you know, Juju could have went either way. I think when he he caught the football, and I think is what the rest was thinking about, is when he called it and the defenders coming up and Cisco's coming at the same time, it was like they just like hit helmets. It wasn't like he was trying to go at this, you know, hitting him in his helmet at the, at the moment. But it was like, hey, is it a defenseless player? Yes. But should we just go ahead and make this call because because it looks bad? I don't know. But I, I just you, you could definitely would have definitely thrown a flag out at it. I wouldn't have been mad at it, no doubt. I mean, I think it could have went either way. But I think what the rest was seeing because I was looking at it and I, I just kind of watched the shot. I'm just like, I didn't. It's not like he was going down. It didn't look like he was targeting for his helmet. That's that's what it didn't look like. It was purposeful. You know what I mean? Like the intent was to go hit him, you know, up top or in the, in the helmet. At least that's what it looked like to me. But Cisco brought that old school back, man, hitting. I, I like I said that t- text. I said these jokers are laying the wood today. I mean, there was a lot of hitting out there on that football field, man. You could just hear the pass popping, just absolutely just exploding. And so I love that. And, and guys didn't mind it. Guys was popping right back up and what was happening too. So, you know, I don't like it going into like the whole, uh, you know, being a little foo-foo league or, you know, being a little bit too soft. I mean, you can still get it out. You can still hit. Guys, like they, they like that. Shoot, I was seeing that on Friday night in my my son's game, and so you know, they could play like that in the NFL, uh, no doubt about it. So, uh, yeah, you know, being a being a guy that grew up in the '90s and early 2000s, obviously watching JD play for my favorite team in the world, that is the style of football that I miss as well. 
I definitely do. And I expected JD being a big physical guy like himself, who's literally a boulder with shoulder pads on out there. Uh, he loves that style of football. It's smash mouth. It's fun. It's gritty. It's what makes yeah. the game great. I agree. But here's the problem, JD. The league has done this to themselves. They've put themselves in this position. Now where we have to criticize these types of hits because they talk about how they want to protect people's brains and they mm -hmm. don't want players getting CT because really they're just trying to cover their ass because they don't want to get sued by right, guys like Jim right. McMahon and guys of the past like that who weren't protected like guys are today. So this is on the NFL. I'm not even necessarily mad at Cisco. I do personally, maybe I'm wrong because I don't see it from the same perspective you do, JD, as a former player. But I thought it was a dirty hit just because of the fact that it was defenseless. You saw that J Juju was not over. J Juju did not correct his eyes to where the where the defender was. The defender hit him with his helmet. Maybe it wasn't. In maybe it was incidental contact, but it looked from the slowing down motion of it all. It looked like Cisco knew what he was doing in that play, and the result is what makes it look even worse. If Juju would have bounced up. Most of us aren't really reacting the way we did. But when he's doing the fencing posture where his hands are stiff and he's out here motioning like Tua did a few weeks ago against the Bengals, it pisses everybody off, especially when the ref threw the flag and then picked it up. Yeah. Like, you can't explain that to me and make sense of it. It doesn't make any sense. If you're going to throw the flag for a penalty that clearly indicates defenseless hitting and helmet-to-helmet -helmet contact, which is the letter of the law of what you guys are proclaiming to do to protect players, and then you pick it up, there's no way in the world I can sit here and say, I agree with that. There's nothing I can say that makes sense of it. I miss that style of football. Trust me, J.D., I do. Mm -hmm. But if the NFL is telling me, telling you, and telling Marcus, this is the way we're going, this is the direction we're going, and then contradict that with their own actions, I have a problem with that. So I thought that should have been a penalty. I hope Juju's okay. I know he's in concussion protocol. The biggest part of all this, and we all would agree, it's a consensus agreement across the board, his health is the biggest concern. Obviously, yeah. we love seeing him play football, but as long as his neurological system's working okay, that's the most important part. But when it comes to the infrastructure of what the NFL is preaching and what they want the league to look like, that went against everything they've been saying and they've been telling us for the last several years. Well, uh, the only pushback I have with that is this, and I, and I agree with you 100% that they're the one to set this precedent, no doubt about it, right? They're the one to set the landscape as far as how they want it to be. But at what point... I mean, you can almost call it on every single hit in the NFL. I mean, you're just going to have a helmet hit. It's, it's the way it works. Yeah. And it can't be reactive to saying, oh, man, now the guy looks like he's concussed or it looks like he's missing time. Like that flag has to be out here, right? Yeah. And I'm going to say like, you know, just Juju and, and, and that one in itself. Like when I looked at, you know, the slowing it down, and I know because I've seen enough hits, like the intent on a guy when he's, you know, like he's bending down to hit a guy. It just seemed like he just kind of ran into Juju. You know, he didn't he didn't look like he tried to lower his head or anything like that. It just seemed like they just kind of caught and and he actually tried to seem like he tried to pull up a little bit, but it was just like you said, incidental contact, helmet to helmet on a sense. And I think when you it, I know the intent, but the maliciousness of when you see things, right? When a guy hits, you could kind of tell that. Now, when you've seen how Cisco came and hit MBS, he had bad intentions all the way around when he hit it, you know, when he hit him. Yeah. But, it, you know, he called him. It was a good hit. You know, he, he called him just flush, and it, it looked good. And that's what I think about, like, Cisco was just kind of playing in, in it within the fines of what they give you, right, the, like the boundaries of what they give you. And, and look, the, the reality is this. I guarantee the defensive coordinator said, look, everybody that catches the football, anything moving, you have got to go hit them. You have to go hit them. And so, yeah, like Vegas, it, like it is inconsistent, right? But, you know, what do you do? And that's the thing about it. So they they have, you know, complete autonomy to do whatever they want to do, how they make the decision. And so that's why they talk about it. Same thing they could have called, like, the uh, roughing the pass on Patrick, which they should have when the guy pushed him down. Yep. And so it's, it's like, if you're going to do that, you know, throw that flag out there. You make sure that that's the flag. We know that. Everybody else gets the same call. He's pushing him down. You have to make that consistent. And so I think when, when you, you leave it to human error, you know, some things where you can't necessarily slow it down and make that that call based off of, uh, you know, uh, rewinding the tape. You know, that's that's what you're going to get. It's always going to be inconsistencies, uh, you know, on our side or their side. It's, it's just going to be as, as part of the football game because yeah. human error comes into in play here. And so nothing's ever going to be perfect. But I, I do agree with you, you know, because it was incidental. If they had thrown that flag and they picked it up, I think they talked about it. It's like, did you see any type of malicious, you know, intent in this? The guy was like, nah, it just looked like they just kind of ran into each other. And so that's the decision they had to make. 
So I wasn't necessarily mad. I was mad because we lost Juju for the for the game, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it sucks that it happens. We lose a guy like that. Uh, but yeah, man. I mean, that's that's what you're gonna get. Like you said, they they set the landscape. Lance, that's, that's what it is. And so that's what we got. We got to play within or see that the confines of what they've given us right now. Right. Right. And that's the thing. I, I wish that like these conversations are had because there's a lot of penalties that are, that are called during the games that are complete BS. Let's let's talk. Let's talk. Have the officials meet up and talk a little bit more throughout the game, so we, you know we can like make the right calls. Which you know I, I think in in, that, in this case, in this penalty, they picked it up and they said it wasn't malicious intent. You know they, they picked it up. You know and rightfully so, but it's the, it's the inconsistent aspects that we talked about. Um, uh, so uh, while you guys are talking, uh, Vikings beat the Buffalo Bills in overtime, thirty-three to thirty. Josh Allen, wow. Josh Allen's threw a pick uh, at the end of the game. I hope I didn't. Spoil, I, hope, I, I hope I didn't spoil no. it for you guys. If you guys no, no. That, that, that's his fourth red zone interception in the last two games. Four. MVP. That's the fourth one. Wow. Fourth MVP. red zone interception since last week. Oof. Oof. And hey, by the way, his second L he got a hold in two weeks too. Yep. <laughs> yep. Well, I mean, you saw he, he followed fall the ball at that one-yard line. I mean, some some will say, I mean, he followed the ball at the one-yard line. He missed practice all week. That could be something, you know, because you, you take your practice snaps. That's less reps he got this week, you know, to do that, in, in a, you know, at the one-yard line. Um, but let me uh, uh, let me ask you guys. Uh, so we'll, we'll get to us being the one seed in the, e, the AFC in a second. But um, so another thing that happened to the game, Wiley went down. Right tackle um, yeah. went down. And Prince – Look pretty damn good, JD. What was your takeaway from Prince uh, coming in at right tackle? And I know in the offseason we talked about it, and you were a big fan of Prince. You said he had a chance to start. So yeah, what you take this? Look, when he was up here in Philly, I, I thought we should get him out of Kansas City because that was Kansas City. I said this guy right here has, he's got the feet, he's he's got the skill set. That's the thing about it. They always wanted like a little bit more power from him. That that was the thing. That was always this thing about guys getting into his chest when they you know when the pass rushers are coming at him, but. I think he looks solid. I think he did. He, he looked absolutely solid coming in for Wiley. And so it didn't even look like they missed a beat. They didn't even skip one. You, you couldn't really tell except the number being changed, right? Seven. I'm like, ooh, okay. There's Prince in there. So uh, somebody tweeted uh, out me and said they thought it was uh, our guy, uh, what's the name? Canard. Uh, they thought it was Canard out there because he got 70 on his on the Twitter handle. So I was like, nah, that's, a, I, that's, that's Prince doing the thing, right? Marcus is sitting there telling him we was talking about it. But now he did. He did. He looked solid, man. He looked good out there. He did. But I, I, I've been a big believer in this guy. I have as far as like his his play. So he played down at Auburn. You know, he's a he's a he's a great tackle. He really is. They put him on the right side instead of the left. So that might help him out just doing it that way, too. This this should excite Chiefs fans and the Chiefs as a whole because of the fact that this now tells us that the worries we've been having about the offensive line may not be as bad as we thought they are because we know. J.D., you know this better than Marcus and I. NFL season is very long, which means injuries are always going to happen. And those dudes in the trenches, they're always banged up. There's always injuries down there. That's why, side note, it was incredible that Will Shields, Willie Rofen, all those guys played like, was it 60 straight games together without missing a game? It was unbelievable. But, yeah, Yeah. that's that's unexplainable how they did that. But, yeah, Yeah. uh, as far as what Prince did, man, Prince turned into a king today. Let me just tell you like that. That dude's straight royalty. (laughs) He got annoyed. He got – he was – the whole thing happened. They had the whole ceremony and everything. It was incredible. He looked like a guy that should be starting at right tackle. And this is no knock on Andrew Wiley. We talked about this just a week ago. That Andrew Mm -hmm. Wiley, we all know, he's a backup. He's played guard. He's played tackle. He's been a fill-in guy. And the only reason Andrew Wiley's even been playing it all season is because uh, Lucas Nyang's still been injured. We all right. know that Lucas Nyang is the guy they want at right tackle. And you guys just had my guy, the dude I've been big on all offseason, Darian Kennard. I want to see him get right tackle uh, snaps as well. I want to see him get his chance. I think those days are coming, maybe probably in 2023. But, yeah. man, this depth is what I'm looking at. And that Jacksonville Jaguars front seven ain't no joke. And, and Orlando Brown Jr. stepped up today. All the dudes stepped up today, and Prince stepped right in and absolutely sired those dudes. I'm telling you, he was protecting. He was doing what he needed to do. Gave Patrick Mahomes the protection. I thought the offensive line had an incredible game, and Prince was absolutely a one, 100% a big contributor as to why that took place. Yeah, and, and that's and that's hard for a guy to come in and just have that consistency on the line because usually like the line calls and everybody trying to be on the same page. But it looked like there was no lag in any of those things, right? It just this, I mean, it, like he fell right in, and it just still looked like everything was just firing all cylinders. It really did. Same thing with the running game. These guys was getting up on the, on the guys and hitting them in the mouth. I mean, it was some some really good offensive line play, and I, I think 
we were kind of talking about that. I think I've talked about that on a done to done segment, just talking about our offensive line. You know, sometimes you get a lot of flack because, of course, the last game when you throw it 68 times, it's going to, you know, something's got to give. It's going to look bad. Some guys are going to be on skates. It's not going to always be in your favor. But when you have a game like this, which was more balanced, how about we just talk, kind of talk about that even more? Like, for you to win championship football, like they were talking about, like when you start going deep in the playoffs during this time, when it starts getting cold, you have to be effective running the football. You have to be. And so I love just the play calling, you know, this at least this week, just seeing where they kind of just say, okay, you know, we're going to run the football a little bit more. Pacheco came and got, you know, three, four, five, six yards. I think it was averaging 6.7, I think, on a carry, which was, that's incredible. That's incredible. So if we can, like, if we can continue to do something like that, I, I really don't see teams beating us. I, I, I really don't. Seriously, yeah, you're, you're talking about the Chiefs, a Chiefs, a team that was averaging around four and a half yards per carry uh, going into this game for the yeah. season, averaging over two more yards per carry. Yeah, you're right, J.D. If yeah. they're getting anything close to that, there is mm -hmm. not a single team in this league that can beat them. No, not at all. Not at all. Yeah, with that, uh, th 35 pass attempts, to, uh, 27 rush attempts today. So pretty, pretty balanced. Pretty, pretty right on. Beautiful. That's two. That's that's like that's two thousand as Chiefs right there. Trent Green will get his thirty plus attempts. Priest yeah. Holmes will get his 25, 30 carries. That's a great great recipe for a W, man. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Um, so we got one of the comments here. Uh, Chris Jones's play and that Chris Jones's play um, this game. He's I mean he's been a terror all season long. Um, and I know beginning of the season he or in the offseason he tweeted at what MVP uh, defensive MVP uh, this year. Is it means he making a big case for it? I mean, Romo said that stat during the during the game the the win rate. I didn't realize he had the yeah, the number one win rate for any defensive tackle this year, even ahead of Aaron Donald um, this year. Um, I thought that was wild to hear that stat. Uh, what, what do you guys think, Is he making a big case for it right now? Oh, no doubt about it, man. He, he's, he's he's playing exceptional football, and I just he's just he's so hard, you know, to get one on one. And, and he got that one sack. They moved him out the defensive end, right? And, and I love it. It was just that nice little switch up. It was talking about how great the the right tackle had been playing all year. Then he comes up with Chris Jones. Chris just beats him like a drum. I mean, just absolutely just destroys him on that play. Uh, so, man, he's – I mean, he's just been playing phenomenal football, seriously. And I think with his play, everybody else is kind of, you know, kind of rallying around what he's doing up front. I mean, he had to. It's like, man, we got to pull our weight. We've seen uh, Saunders come in today. Man, he did a great job. He got a sack. And so, these guys, man, was start really – was was eating, man. But Chris, man, like I said, had been playing at a high level all year. Uh, you can see what he, – he just has energy. Even when he runs off the field, he just looked like he's got a pep in his step running off the football field. Yeah. So I love it. I could just I, I could see his disposition. I just carrying himself like he's just he's on a whole different mission than everybody else out there defensively. Yeah. So uh, I'll, I'll just go out and say it. I think Chris Jones personally should be the the headliner for defensive player of the year right now because he's the only guy in the league that I've seen every single week have effective plays at least once or twice a game. Even Micah Parsons has had games where he's gotten shut down. Mm -hmm. And Micah Parsons is probably going to win defensive player there, barring any injury. Uh, I think Chris Jones has been the best defensive player in the league this year because of the fact that there's been so much inconsistency around him for the first half of the season. But I will defend one guy, and I'll say this real quick, and I'll get back to Chris Jones, to what J.D. just said. Colin Saunders should be a guy the Chiefs should seriously consider extending. I think right. this guy now, obviously, I know the late, great Therese Paler always said that the contract year is undefeated. Man, that's gospel when it comes to guys like Colin Saunders because this dude's out here earning. Wherever he goes, he's going to get himself a nice, fat contract. And I hope right. it's here in Kansas City because this dude has been an awesome Awesome pick from Brett Veach. He's one of the most underrated picks that Brett Veach has ever made. I think this dude has been a stellar player this season. He's definitely taken a massive step up, and that's made guys like Chris Jones' job that much easier, especially when you sprinkle in veterans like Carlos Dunlap and rookies like George Karloftis stepping up the way they did, to, especially today. But, but Chris Jones... The reason he's not going to win Defensive Player of the Year is simply because of the fact that he doesn't get the notoriety that guys like Aaron Donald and, and Micah Parsons get because, let's be honest, they play in bigger markets. They play on teams that more people pay attention to. Even with the Chiefs being as, as popular as they are, we all know that when it comes to the Chiefs, it's going to be about Patrick Mahomes. It's going to be about Travis Kelsey. It's going to be about Andy Reid. It's going to be about those guys. It's not about – that's why Tyreek Hill got upset in Kansas City because he wasn't the superstar. That's why right. he wanted to go to Miami because he wanted to get the big bank and he wanted to be the name on the team that's worked out for him so far chris jones as energetic and as influential as this guy is and as great as he is 
He is never going to be the man in Kansas City. But I'll say this. I remember a couple years ago, I talked to uh, BJ Kissel, who used to be the sideline reporter for the Chiefs. And I remember I asked him a question about Tyron Matthew and when his contract was up. And BJ Kissel said the thing that the Chiefs always told him when it comes to re-signing or going and getting veteran free agents at 28 years old is where they really evaluate whether that guy is going to be somebody they look to being an effective player for the next three to four years. And it has to be a unicorn player for them to re-sign that guy or go out and get that guy. That's why Travis Kelsey got his money. That's why Patrick Mahomes is going to forever get his money. Those guys are unicorns. The question has to be asked, is Chris Jones that guy that can get that contract extinction at 28 and older? My opinion, there's no question this dude is as durable as they come, and he's as effective and as elite as they come. I think if, I, if I'm the Chiefs, I'm giving that man an extension today. And at worst, the Chiefs can get a couple multiple first-round picks out of a trade that they can do maybe in this offseason. But my bet, I would love to see the Chiefs keep this guy for the next three to four years because I don't think his he's the type of guy that's going to slump down really quick. I think this guy's going to have a career going into his 30s, and I think he's going to be pressing for the Hall of Fame. And I'm not saying that lightly because I know how hard it is to get in the Hall of Fame, but that's how great Chris Jones has been. That's how great he is right now, and I think that's going to continue. No, that's that that's that's a great point, man. I mean, when I started thinking about it, when you were saying this, when you look at all the defensive tackles over the years, that's such a hard position to find somebody who was that effective at the position. You know, it really is. And you could just go through o- over the course of time the guys I know I played against. I'm just like, well, I could probably name all the guys right here that that's played like that. Man, Chris Jones, man, he he's on a whole different level this past year. Like you said, Aaron Donald's another guy that kind of jumps out there, but it, uh, especially at that position. To be playing at that type of level, uh, like you said, maybe not having all the guys and pieces around him like you like you would expect. I mean, he's doing it, right? I mean, at least, you know, Aaron Donald had Bob Miller out on the outside kind of doing things, not taking anything from Frank or you know, those guys. But we knew as far as like what, you know, the assignment was. It was like, okay, we got to stop Vaughn too when, we, when you're dealing with guys. Uh, but Chris, man, is just a wrecking – he's a wrecking machine all by himself. He really is. And Colin Sanders, just kind of going back here, saying his praises, absolutely. We, and we've been talking about this all year, about finding that guy right beside Chris that needs to step up. And Colin Sanders has been doing it all year. He, you know, he lags. There's been a couple of games that kind of lags. He's kind of – but more more to the point, I think he's been pretty consistent this past year as far as, like, showing up, being a guy. Like, he's that guy beside uh, 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 Chris, without a doubt like you said, that deserves an extension because, you know, we know him and he's coming to his own. He's, he's played into his own, man. He has, and he's been firing the past few games, no doubt about it. I've loved, I've loved what he's been doing out there, man. I love seeing it. And that's funny to think about the DTs who like play when you, when you, when you were playing JD versus like Chris yeah. Jones, I mean, how just, just the, the, the makeup of them are so different, you know, Chris Jones versus like, say Ted Washington comes to mind or Chris Jenkins or big John Henderson. There's just two totally different type of DTs, you know? Um, and I, yeah, Jones is kind of like kind of a unicorn in, in his own right. Right. Like, I mean, he's so, so fat, quick twitch. I mean, he's, he just, I mean, just look at him. I mean, compare his body type to those guys. Oh, yeah. It's totally different. And he looks yeah, like he's getting better. He looks like he's getting better. Like yeah. he might be, he might be just now entering his prime as crazy as that sounds to say, because in 2017, the man had 15 and a half sacks at his position. So he might be hitting his prime now. And if I'm the Chiefs, like I said, I ain't letting that guy go anywhere. <laughs> I'm signing his ass up. Yeah. You know, it, it kind of reminds me kind of body type, but it was just kind of thinking about it. We just got into the Hall of Fame, just kind of talking to him too, uh, was uh, Seymour, Richard Seymour. Yeah. I mean, seriously, like like yeah. he's lean, but Chris has a little bit more faster twitch than, yeah. than Seymour does. He really does. And yeah. so he, he's, he, without a doubt, man, the way that he looks, the way he's playing, he's going to be able to play for a long time and still be effective. No doubt about it. Yeah, and this is something we, we talked about on our show over the last few weeks is the, um, the concern of the run game. So the last three weeks going into this game for Etienne, 14 carries, 104 yards, 24 carries, 156 yards, 28 carries, 109 yards. And today, 11 carries, 45 yards. So the defense, the run, the, the run D stepped up. I mean, obviously, they, they went to be doing a more pass mode, but, you know, holding, holding him to under 50 yards uh, rushing today, pretty good based on what we've been seeing over the last few weeks uh, against the running backs we've played against. Um, so that was uh, good for the, uh, the the run D to kind of continue what we did at the end of that Tennessee game. Um, okay, so big thing everyone's talking about right now on our, on our chat is uh, so the Bills-Vikings game, and we kind of alluded to that. Um, so now Minnesota beats Buffalo. Buffalo now has three losses on the season. 
Dolphins, Jets, and Minnesota. We only have the two losses. Now we're the leapfrog them into the one spot in the AFC. How big of a deal is that for Minnesota giving us that little alley-oop today? I mean, you know, we're talking about, like, trying to get, you know, home field advantage. We know what that, that means in itself. Like, you know, if you're being consistent, understanding exactly what you have to deal with going through. I mean, that's 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 paramount right there, man. But, but the Vikings are a good team. <laughs> the Vikings are a really good team. You know, you can never count them guys out. Uh, you know, I don't necessarily uh, – the quarterback, you know, he's uh, he's always iffy with me. But he got receivers around him. We know that. Uh, good running back. Uh, but you knew it was going to be a, a pretty tight game. We knew that. Uh, but that it is. It's big. It's huge. Uh, but it just, it's just telling me, you know, <laughs> what you can't do, and, and I know it's kind of tough, I mean, especially when you're playing, you just you just got to play. You, know, you don't have to worry. Don't worry about anything else and try to like, oh, man, you know, like just play. Just worry about the very next game and just keep moving on like that. As long as you're doing that, you're going to be fine, you know. But just don't keep looking at, you know, always looking at the board, where we at. We, it, it's just – I've never done that as a player. I don't really know a lot of guys that do that, you know, as far as like you just kind of taking care of business every single week, you know, so you can't worry about the bills, what they're doing, everybody else doing like that. All you got to do is just do your job and just win. That's that's all. You take care of your business, man. Hey, let the chips, fly, uh, you know, late, uh, fall where they may. And so at the, at the end of it, you're just hoping, okay, we're in a position right now that once we have playoffs, hopefully it's in our, you know, at, at our place and we'll, we'll take care of business there. So that's really the only thing, but, like right now, it's just like, you know, hey, you know, don't worry about that. Just keep keep our eyes on, focus on what we need to be doing. This is why I love that I get to do this with JD because he gets to tell you about the stuff that actually matters, you know, being a player and getting to focus on what actually matters, which is one day at a time. I know, I know we hate the cliches, you know, well, he's got to take it one day at a time, but it's the truth. That's why they keep saying yeah. it because it is the truth. These guys compartmentalize each and every week and it, it, they don't overlook teammates or teams very often in the league as a, as a whole, as a nucleus, but I'm a fan. So I'm going to go ahead and tell you guys a little <laughs> bit about my side of things. Cause I know JD just told the stuff that actually matters. I'm going to talk about the stuff that doesn't matter, but it's fun because we love to do that as fans. <laughs> so I picked the Vikings to win this game. I said that I didn't think Josh Allen was originally going to play. I still don't think he should have played because he did not look good today at all. I think that arm was messing with. I thought when he threw that interception in the back of the end zone, the first one, he got hurt again, and it looked like he was hurt. He hurt his arm again. The Bills are really playing some Russian roulette with this one, man. That is their franchise. That is their future, and they squandered another game that they could have won. They could have won last week against the Jets. Josh Allen was terrible. Could have won this game against the Vikings, and the Vikings choked multiple times in this game, and they still lost. So this is a game. I know it doesn't matter. You're right, J.D., when it comes to the Chiefs, they just got to take care of their business. But this was their one opportunity, the Bills' one opportunity, and I say this confidently, to actually get the one seed. I know we got a lot of games left to play, but because of the fact that the Chiefs are 100% what J.G. just said, a team that focuses and fixated on what they can control, is the reason why the Bills are not going to get the one seed back. Because they went from the one seed to third place in their division today. That's how bad this was for them. The Jets own the tiebreaker and are on a bye week, if I'm not mistaken. And they're 6-3 and three just along with the Jets, or the Bills. So that knocks them down, and the Dolphins are now in sole possession because they won today. So they're 7-3. and three. So the Bills have a lot of ground to track. And so they, they need to quit worrying about the one seed. Now right. they got to worry about how they're going to win their division. Because they have two teams that not only have beaten them, but have proven to be playoff-worthy teams so far this season. So the Bills are in trouble. And I'm not saying that lightly, and I'm not trying to walk on their grave because they're still a really good team and could probably bounce back out of it. But the Chiefs now have sole possession of, possession of the one seed, and I don't think they're going to relinquish it because they have the best player in the world leading the way who's going to be the MVP this season, and Andy Reid, who's the best head coach in football, who just tied Marty Schottenheimer for the most wins at Arrowhead. Guys, I'm telling you right now, the Chiefs are clicking because their defense looks elite right now. They've yep. played incredible football over the last six quarters, incredible football, and their schedule is about as light as it gets for the remainder of the season. The Chiefs would have to really choke it away in order for them to not have the one seed by the end of this season. Yeah, uh, we had the hardest part of the schedule, man. We, we took it right there on the chin. We didn't, hey, didn't wince at all. We really didn't. And, and to be honest with you, we probably could have had a, a better record. You know, a couple of plays here and there. Shoot. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, we, we absolutely, like I said, looked great at the very first part of the season. And like I said, you just, you know, like, like Lance said, there's a lot of ball to be played between now and, and, and end of the season. But like I said, you just take care of your business. That's it. Don't worry about it. Don't look at, you know, the papers or, you know, on Twitter, who's sitting over here in the seat and stuff. You know, it's like a little bit of like, you know, a peak. And it's like, all right, cool. All right. Let's, let's 
We worry about us. That's all that matters. Everything that's happening over here is what we can control. That's it, period. Yeah. Uh, and, and it looks like, hey, we keep winning in the Dolphins. Keep winning. We could get a little uh, – we could get a Tyreek Hill um, uh, versus Mahomes uh, battle, the uh, Tua versus Mahomes. you got to see who's the more accurate and who's the better quarterback in the playoff game. I mean – I mean, kind of that, the commercials and the stuff leading up to that game is going to be unreal. Well, think about think about how insane this would be for the storylines with like Andy Reid in particular. You know, you get it. Let's say like an AFC Championship, and I know we're way ahead of ourselves here, but let's just say yeah. just for you know because we're talking. Imagine an AFC Championship where Tyreek comes back to Arrowhead to face his old team, and the Chiefs win that game, and then Andy Reid gets to play his old team in a Super Bowl with the Philadelphia Eagles. Like, imagine the the revenge factor for Andy Reid and all that. A team that fired him goes on to have an even better career with the Chiefs. I mean, you want to talk about storylines. This is why the NFL is so great, man, because we get storylines like this almost every single year. I'll tell you what. <laughs> You're weaving it together. You put them all together, ain't you? Just weaving it up. <laughs> I love it. 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 Yeah, the, the conspiracy theorists out there are going to say it's going to happen. The NFL wants that to happen, and that's going to happen. Yeah, here it is. Yeah, they see that. Oh. I forgot my tinfoil hat. I'm sorry, guys, but I just wanted to throw it out there. That's um, good. That's good. So uh, looking at the comments here, so the one uh, – so McDuffie was lights out. This is one thing that I noticed during the game. Um, it just seems he missed a good part of the, of the season, um, and he just comes back, and, like, it just automatically – it's like, okay, that one side of the field is, just like, pretty much locked down, and it's like – it's like we have a veteran out there, and he's not. I mean, he's not a veteran at all. He's a rookie, and like who's barely played this season. You know, how good is McDuffie's? I mean, what's standing out from McDuffie's play to you guys so far um, in this I mean, short amount of time he's played with us? Uh, I mean, for me, I mean, he's just he's, he's he's technically sound. You know, that's the type of corner he is. You could tell there's not a lot of wasted motion in anything that he does. And you like one of the the one that he knocked the ball away from. I think it might have been uh, Zay Jones or Marvin. I don't know which one. Uh, where he grabs his arm, you know, right close to his chest, and knocks the ball down. Like that was a veteran move. Like the way he was able to kind of shield his body, kind of feel the guy and get the and get the he putting his body on the receiver. That's what you want to be able to see. And I, I think. When you see a guy like this, and, and and maybe like with the Joshua Williams thing, right? Let's go back to the Bills, where that's when you you got to almost shield a guy off of that. You got to slow him down with your body. That's that's how it is. And he gets like that and gets his head around. It was perfect. I mean, that's when I'm saying technique wise, that is as bad in, in as textbook you can get playing corner. Uh, I think he still needs to get his legs up underneath him because, to be honest with you, uh, he was beat. They 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 had him beat. You know, if it's, it's a different ball, I mean, it's caught. But I think he'll get there. About, about two more games, his legs going to be where they need to be at. I, so I think he's still kind of catching up the speed of the game and all the receivers. You know what I mean? That's To me, that's how I look. But as far as technique sound, when your technique sound, when somebody's beating you by speed, that technique wins out. And so that's what he did. He played everything, man. He used everything, all the tricks in his bag. He used it today, and it looked good. It looked good. Yeah, there's a few positions in the league that I, if I was, if I was good enough to play in the NFL, there's a few positions I would hate to be a first round pick at. It'd be quarterback, tackle, edge rush, and corner, and particularly the corner position because we're talking about McDuffie. You are expected as a first round pick, especially for a, a guy that got traded up for in the first round by a team that is in Super Bowl contention each and every year. There is so much pressure on you to perform day one. And to your point, Marcus, about the fact that he's missed, I think I think he missed six games this year. Um, there was so much unknown going into the halfway point of the season with Trent McDuff. We hadn't seen much. But going into today, today's game, he has not he had not given up a completion on his side of the field. And, and and I know people are focused so much on interceptions because the last first round pick that the Chiefs took at cornerback was Marcus Peters, who's an absolute ball hawk. The guy just loves baiting quarterbacks into throws that end up he ends up taking away. That's his greatness. That was what Marcus Peters was awesome at. McDuffie's not that kind of guy. Right. As JD just said, he's fundamentally sound. You know why that is? He can't rely on the same things that Marcus Peters does. Marcus Peters is over six foot tall. He can he can go out there and play that style of football and get away with it because he has wide receiver type of body. Trey McDuffie's an undersized uh, cornerback. He's about five nine, five ten. So he yeah. has to be fundamentally sound, like, like guys like Daryl Revis, a guy who was around five nine, but he was a lockdown corner. That's why his interception numbers weren't high because no one was throwing to him. And that's what happened again today. McDuffie was not getting touched a lot today. He did get beat. I did see that one throw. Uh, he did get beat. 
But what he does to make up for that, he gains ground. Like, uh, one of the comments I saw just said, he turns around. He gets his head around. He sees where the ball's going. He's He gets a feel for where the guy is that he's on. And I'm telling you right now, he's done such a good job at that in just three games in his career that I really think that Elmer's glue should endorse the guy because he's sticking on everybody, man. Ain't nobody getting away from this dude. He breaks away. He finds a way to get glued back to you. Elmer's glue. Hit this guy up because I know he's looking for endorsements. I know he got that first-round money, but he can always make a little bit more, and I think he's going to continue to prove it as the season goes on. Yeah, I, I, man, I, I tell you what, that, and, and just, and I think also too, like that, the walling off of guys and receivers, like that, man, that just that feel, having an instinct, just know where a guy is, and have him on your hip, that's 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 huge, that's amazing. Like you said, he he knows he has to play that way. He knows because, like you said, he's five nine, five ten. I don't know what they're giving him. Have they given him five ten? I think they gave him five ten, didn't they? With cleats. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I hear you. yeah. It's standing on the phone book. <laughs> but you know, the guy, man, he he's he, he is he, he's a technically sound guy, uh, no doubt about it. He knows that's how he has to play. But I, I love it. I love it. He's not like I talked about Joshua Williams being late with his head, like he didn't know the turn and stuff. Trimmy Duffy, feel feel touch ball looks right, and so you don't have to worry about him. Like oh man, his head being late and stuff like that. Now he's he's like this. Everything is just in, in clicked in motion all together. Now he looks good. He looked good out there. He did. He looked really good out there. Sure. So the whole secondary looked good. Yeah. They all look good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the young guys really stepped up this year. And like the way we you know what we were talking about going to get a veteran cornerback, it's like we really don't. We we don't. We obviously we knew that we we weren't that we had the guys in the house. That's why we never pursued one. Um, and these guys really stepped up this year. Um, and as as the season has gone too, we know we're gonna have growing pains. But by the time we get to this uh, January, these guys are pretty much sure they're gonna be re- ready to go. Um, and playoff ball. Um, so we kind of mentioned a little bit about uh, Kadarius Tony in the beginning of the show. Um, we're getting more people talking about uh, Tony in our uh, comments here. But um, for me, not really knowing much about Kadarius Tony outside of seeing his college highlights and seeing the few games that he tore it up with the Giants, I thought he was a kind of like just, just a gadget guy, right? Like a guy who kind of could do it all. But that ball he caught where he high-pointed it, I mean, while, while adjusting his gloves and then midair going to catch it, and I also love his uh, touchdown celebration. I don't know if he was uh, paying homage to having a hamstring injury by by hopping into the end zone on one leg and then pretending he, had, like, he hurt his hamstring. I, I thought that was fantastic that he did that because, uh, you know, maybe he's paying homage to the Giants days where, you know, he, some were saying that he faked the hamstring injury to get out of there, but I don't know. Um, what, what do you guys make of Kadarius Tony? Um, and is he what you expected or is he more than what you expected so far? I'll tell you what. That that play going up to catch the ball, high pointing like that, that was a phenomenal play. It really was. That that showed me that he's so much more than what I expected, to be honest with you. Seriously, because he, he he went between two guys to go get that ball. Uh, you know, also stepping on the sideline, you know, just kind of you know, tight roping. He, he's got that speed. It, you, look, you've seen him in college and you've seen some of the things that you know he has about him, but he showed without a doubt how much of a weapon he really is. And Vegas Chiefs fans like getting Tony was a great. Is a it, now it was a that, shoot. It was probably the best move we made in a long time getting a guy like that. Seriously, I mean he's 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 phenomenal player, man. Phenomenal player, and and at the right time too. When you had something like his juju goes down, and you had to be like, oh well, who we have now? We got to push to somebody else. And I said this wasn't necessarily a knock on Sky Moore's development. I just think there was a guy that was coming here who was already a little bit more refined, right? Who's already been in the league. Who's already seen. You know, some of these defenses, some of these guys, and he already knew how to compete. And so I like it. He's excited. You can just tell he's excited playing in this offense. This is offense gear for a guy with his skill set, without a doubt. No doubt about it, man. So, you know, he's, he's having fun. We're giving him on jet sweeps around the corner. I mean, it's, hey, shoot, this, this is what he's made for. Seriously. I, w- I want to hear what Lance has to say here. Lance wasn't as excited as a lot of people were about this when we first did it. He, he was still oh. – he was still calling for OBJ. I don't know if he changed his tune after what he saw today. Lance, I'm going to give you the floor. I heard the news uh, when I was just getting back in town in Kansas City a couple, a few weeks ago when the Chiefs traded for Kadarius Tony. They didn't give up a bunch, but I wasn't expecting a bunch. I, I, I'm, I'm somebody that, what, what have you done for me lately? I know the college tape looked good. Dude's got talent, all that fun stuff. But you have Brian Dable up there that's an offensive genius. And he didn't want him. And he was willing to get up, give, get rid of him for a couple conditional picks. That worried me. That worried me very much. And furthermore, it worried me that he was, was he going to be a guy that was going to want to come in here and play a role as opposed to try to be the guy? 
That was something I was worried about. Those I felt those were legitimate concerns based upon what we had seen and heard coming out of New York and his injury concerns. There was a legitimate concern about that as well. I didn't think he was going to be special. But I'm here to tell you guys right now, and I'm not telling you anything you haven't seen for yourselves. Kadarius Tony is special. Let's go. I'm not saying this, dude. Listen, there is no <laughs> replacing Tyreek Hill. Let's clarify that right now. There is one Tyreek Hill. You're not ever replacing that dude. He is one of one. But Kadarius Tony is as close as the Chiefs could get at replacing Tyreek Hill because of his twitchiness, because of his playmaking ability. You saw it on full display today. High pointing the ball, creating with his feet on the side on the on the end of the sideline over there. The way this guy has such composure and wherewithal with his body and playing the game at a fundamental level the way he does, it's something that the Chiefs absolutely needed. I'm telling you guys right now, the Chiefs already won that trade. That, that trade is yeah. already won. Oh, what he's done to this point already, he's not putting up magnificent stats by any means, but he's adding a dimension the Chiefs have not had since losing Tyreek Hill. Has the offense been awesome since Tyreek Hill left? Yes. They, they're still the best offense in football. But Tony adds that next-level playmaking ability the Chiefs just simply don't have because they lost an all-time great in Tyreek Hill. So there's no replacing Tyreek. But, guys... You don't have to replace Tyreek when you have a Kadarius Tony. You can have a one-on-one of somebody else. You don't have to go and get a replica to still go and get a guy that can be effective at a high level. Guys, the Chiefs have won this trade. I was somebody that was very, very, um, I guess you would say skeptical about that trade. I am no longer skeptical. Guys, now I'm expecting Kadarius Tony to be a legitimate, uh, a legitimate contributor to this offense moving forward. I had no expectations. Now I got a ton. And his his ability to do what he does gave me the reason to do that. I'm all I'm on Team Tony. I'm calling him Tony Touchdown. And he 100%, 100% trolled the Giants on that little hammy, that little jump thing he was doing. He knew what he was doing, and I thought it was amazing. I'm, all, I'm here for it, man, because he's a chief, and he's going to help this team win another Super Bowl. So are you out on OBJ? No, I'm not, because I still Ooh. think that the Chiefs I here's the thing. <laughs> I, I know I'm giving praise to Tony here, but here's the thing that OBJ is still gonna bring to this team if the Chiefs and according to everything we're hearing, the Chiefs are still in the mix. Will they sure. get him? Probably not. He'll probably go to another thing. But here's here's some factors about OBJ that the Chiefs fit the criteria for. One he can play a legitimate role in this team still because there's the juju factor right now. We don't know if he'll be out for any length of time, but even if he does, his style fits this offense perfectly. He's a veteran receiver that has playoff experience, Super Bowl experience that can add to this offense. And again, as I talked to JD earlier about the offensive line and the trenches, guys get injured. Injuries happen all the time, and I still stand on what I said about the difference of having OBJ getting snaps or Justin Watson. We like Justin Watson, but let's be real. We'd rather have OBJ getting those snaps than Justin Watson. That just adds to your depth. Second of all, OBJ's mentality has changed. We all know this dude was a playboy, man. He lived in New York. You know, he's played in L.A. This dude's a handsome guy. He likes to go out and do his thing. He hangs out with celebrities. He's 30 years old now. He's got a family. And his agent has mentioned multiple times that he wants to plant his roots somewhere. Well, the Chiefs have been creating cap space, and they're going to have anywhere from 80 to 100 plus million in cap space next year. If he wants a multi-year deal, Chiefs can give him an MVS type of deal, get him a two-year deal with a third-year option, 12, 13 million a year, and the Chiefs can absolutely afford that. I'm not saying it's going to happen. What I'm saying is it still makes sense for both sides for it to happen because both sides give that other side something they both want: a better chance of winning a Super Bowl and a guy adding to his resume to get in the Hall of Fame, get his plans, his, his, his roots planted, and a city in a town where he can win games and settle down in a city and it's a place that would and, and absolutely embrace him because of who he is and what he's all about. I know he gets a bad rep for who he was in New York. That dude is loved by every teammate he has ever had. I have not heard one bad thing from him uh, from a former teammate about OBJ. People love that dude and I know he would be loved here in Kansas City. So there's my little pitch. Maybe we can clip this and send it to OBJ and we'll see what, he, what it'll do. <laughs> well, I, I'll tell you this, man. I, I just... You know, Tony coming out today and showing what he he, he showed, uh, I think really put the OBJ uh, debate to bed for me, really. I mean, seriously. I, and, and I wasn't really high on OBJ. I mean, yeah, we could have used him, but we knew we wouldn't have him until December or mid-December, yeah. you know, at least coming out here to play the games. So uh, you got this young electric guy in Tony. You know, he's a first-round pick. I mean, he's a first-round pick for a reason, right? And so I, I, I just think – Right now, the integrity of the guys that you have, and we might not be able to see Tony unless Hardman was hurt. We, we might not even see everything, you know, today as far as like what Tony was able to show without Hardman being out. So now you're talking about MBS, 
you got Juju, you got Hardman, you got Tony, you got, you got Sky Moore. So you got guys. We we got got the Travis Kelsey. You know, Noah Gray stepped up. We got we got receivers. We got tight ends. We got running backs. We got guys catching football. And we got the best arm in the business uh, in Patrick Mahomes. So I, I just think sometimes you know because there's only one ball that could go around, right? And Paul and he's he's peppering at different places. He really is. Now I'm sure OBJ would love to come here, right? I mean, he's got Kelsey and all these guys. He has super superstars already on the team, uh, and you know OBJ still a playboy. He's still a pretty boy, no doubt about it. He's a wide receiver. Ain't, ain't nothing gonna change about that. You know what I mean, it's just it's just not. So uh, you know, hey, look, if it works, you know, for the right price, maybe that, that's that's the only way. But that, to me, as far as uh, it, you find the right fit, you get the guy in. I think to to be honest with it. Tony fits that mode, right? He's a young guy. He's one of those that you like who's who's ready to play with Patrick Mahomes, who's ready to do well on a team like this. Uh, and I think a lot of it was just being disrun up there in, in New York. I think that's what it was, you know, because you got Galladay up there. None of them guys, they're grumbling around for the past few years. They ain't been good, what, how long? I mean, shoot, yeah. forever. And so I think he just, he, he was in a bad situation. He just really wanted to get out of there. I know that what, what he was given it just couldn't change the taste in your mouth. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you, you know, you might have, you know, just bad food for a long time. It's like, Hey, you know what? Hey, I'm gonna give you this new, uh, uh, this new meal. He's like, ah, you know what? None of it tastes good. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I, I, I appreciate it, but we got to go. We got to go change and, and check a new restaurant out. I, I'm, I'm sorry. Right? I'm sorry. So that's the way I look at it. Uh, maybe cause he just wanted to get out of that situation, which I understand. I, I completely understand they're winning now. Right, the things that they're doing, but still, the wide receivers still something to be desired, somewhat of it. I mean, Daniel Jones is kind of up and up. Shoot, if I have a chance to go play with, you know, uh, Daniel Jones and Patrick Mahomes, I'll be wanting to get up out of that Joker too. Believe, <laughs> believe, believe me. So, yeah. uh, I just think, man, you know, OBJ, uh, you know, is he a luxury to have? Yeah, no doubt about it. He just, but man, Tony, what he showed today solidified it for me like yo this guy right here is electric he could do all those things he's a young guy who's excited to be here not saying obj won't be but i think when you have a young talent like that that kind of rely on each other i think it makes it just for a, good, a better mix better chemistry as far as the team wise yeah he only knows like that much of the playbook i mean what only a couple of weeks and he's and he's doing this and only knowing that much of the playbook i mean yeah i think sky's the limit for him really in this offer. yeah, yeah. Um, okay, well, one last topic here before we go. We touched on it last week, as you know, you know, maybe a little some quirks coming out of the the uh, you know the bye week, and you know, also coming off the injury. Harrison Butker um, missed the extra point today, um, and we kind of talked about this last week how the fact that we're offensive scores touchdown. So the extra points, that's what you need to do, really. I mean, if you're going to make kicks, that, that's extra. But the least you could do is make extra points in an offense that, that scores touchdowns. Bucker missed an extra point last week, and he also missed like a forty-yarder, and then he missed an extra point this week. I got crap on it last week for calling out for, for saying, you know, maybe we go and see if there's another kicker out there in the offseason. Um, but no deal or big deal of Harrison Butker's recent uh, kicking woes. <laughs> go ahead, Lance. Okay, well, I'll put my neck out of line here. I, I think it's a bigger deal than when we want to give it credit, and here's the biggest reason why. I want to believe that it's it's due to his injury. I would love to say, well, he's banged up still. He's he's talked about it to the media. His, his ankle's still hurting. And I can sit here and live with that, and I can be at peace with that. Problem is, guys, this has been a problem for him for, for years. This has been something he's dealt with for a long time. And, again, I, I'll, I'll repaint the take I had last week when we talked about this. It's it's so weird how a guy can go out there, and it's game on the line, 58 yards, 8 degrees outside, the ball's harder than a rock, and he sinks it with precision. Then it's, you know, 68 degrees outside, and it's a 25-yard chip shot, and it's wide right. It's like, I don't understand. I know it's a mental game. I know that kickers, it's a different game for them than tight ends like JD and, and quarterbacks and things. Of that. I know that it's a, it's different. You're relying on your foot. You're not relying on your hands and your hips and things of that nature as much. It is a concern because of the fact that it's still happening at this point. And it is in games that we got to talk about this when games are closer than it's than it's comfortable. Chiefs are trailing; they're up three. They need this get right chip shot. And do we really have the confidence that Harrison can drop those at any given time? I don't feel that confidence right now. And the biggest reason why I'm okay with this conversation being had is because of the context of how Harrison Butker came here to Kansas City to begin with. He mm -hmm. wasn't some well-known guy. 
He was right. a practice squad kicker for the Panthers. And Brett Veach, to his credit, went and found this little diamond in the rough. And now this guy's been over here, been one of the most accurate kickers in football history. But that doesn't take away from the fact that at, at this current juncture, in this current time, he is still missing the easy kicks. And that is something, if he's missing 60 yarders, I can live with that because you're not supposed to make 60 yarders. It's a bonus when you do. What you are supposed to make are the 25-yard kicks to add to the add to the touchdown. Quite frankly, man, I, I don't want to speak to this because J.D. was on the sidelines in the NFL for a long time, but I would imagine when you have a big touchdown on the offense and you see the dude miss the PAT, you're like, damn, man, like what the hell? It's like it's like eating a really good steak, but it, it isn't seasoned well. You know, like it's cooked good, but it doesn't have like that butter and it has like the stuff on it. It doesn't, it doesn't taste as good as it should. And that's the problem is I think that it's it's killing some of the momentum the Chiefs are trying to add to their offense. And and I just I, I think that there's a legitimate concern. Could Butker get it right? Sure. But to this point of his Chiefs tenure, this has been like an Achilles heel to his kicking game. And I really hope it doesn't it doesn't hurt the Chiefs at the end of the at the end of the season. Yeah, I, I, you know what? I, it's it's a hair scratcher to me. I mean, it really is. I, I I mean, when I'm sitting there, I'm just like you said. You're like, dag on, like, what's going on? I, and I know guys are like, when he say he misses it, everybody's just kind of looking like, what? Like, like Buckner missed it? Like, you just it, it just even registered to you. He's missing like the like you said the chip shots, the ones he should be making, right? So I, I think it's just kind of a thing he's working through. Uh, but it is concerning. It is concerning just to see it. Because he, if you think about it, uh, over the games that we've lost, right? We could have easily met, you know, maybe Indianapolis, the guy that won, and then, you know, uh, against, you know, the Bills, too. Like, there's the, the games that we did lose. We catch a couple of those kicks. It's a whole different game. It's, it's yeah. a whole different conversation as far as things, right? But we don't know what happened the rest of the game. But I just know he, he would have added on to possibly, you know, being something that we could have won that game doing those, those uh, kicks. Uh, but look, like you said, kickers, they're, they're different guys. I'm, I'm looking to, for him to either work through this thing. If you're saying his ankle is sore, okay. And he's still having a problem with the, with the planning, you know, planning and kicking. Uh, all right, cool. I get that. All right. I just, I, with a guy like this, when it, he's struggling as a kicker, I know guys got confidence in him. He's going to make the, the, the hard one, right? They got confidence in that. And so when you do <coughs> the easy one, it is, man. It's just hair scratcher. So yeah. we just had to, we just had to, I don't know, give him some time. I, I don't know. I just this one right here really perplexes me. It does, as far as like dealing with him, uh, what he's going through. But like Lance said, but when, when we got him, like like I looked over the history of how we got him. I'm just like, huh. But it looked like he, you know, we kind of came into his own and maybe he's still there. And so maybe it is. Maybe it's just the little things and these little nicks and stuff that keeps messing with his transition. And like I said, I know as far as being a, a, a special teams coach, kind of that transition, how much guys got to be comfortable. They really do, especially planting and kicking and coming on through. But I, I don't think like those ones he's missing, I didn't, that's not his plant foot. That's just a lack of focus. That's all it is. He's pulling it for no reason whatsoever. And you see him looking at it like, huh, like I missed that one. You know what I mean? He's like, Shocked that you missed it. So, you know, he's not like sitting over like, ah, you know, my ankles. But no, I don't I don't see that. I think he's just kind of like, all right, uh, I need to get this thing fixed. So it always seems seems to be on the left hash, too, for some damn reason. I I know it. So I don't know if you're trying to overcorrect (laughs) or whatever, man. But like you said, those kickers, hey, let them go to where they go. Let them get into their little zen. Let them go get a couple massages. Let me go talk to you know a couple of guys, whatever they need to do. You know, we'll just we'll leave it at that. Okay. But uh, you know, I am not gonna start calling him no Shanks McGee and nothing like that just yet. <laughs> no, we're not gonna do that. Shanks <laughs> McGee. Yeah, we're not gonna do that. We're not gonna, I'm gonna leave him alone. You know, I kind of want to call him that now because that's a good name. <laughs> yeah, man. I, yeah, I don't wanna, yeah. But hey, Buck, Buck's still good with me. I'm 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 good with it. I'm good with it. Buck, you good. No, you're good. Shanks McGee, yeah. that's good. That definitely stems from somewhere. Did you call somebody Shanks McGee back in the day, JD? Oh, back in the day, yeah. yeah Shanks call McGee. Out. That's call what out. Out. Yo, Shanks McGee. Every time you see him on this off, off the side of somebody's foot, oh, Shanks McGee, there he is. Shows up today. Here he goes, showing up. Yeah. yeah. Oh, All man. right. 
Well, thanks for uh, th- everybody. Thanks for watching the, the Chief Concerns post game show presented by Bet Online. We'll see you guys for the Chief Concerns guys. We'll see you guys Thursday when the new episode drops. And for Lance and on the Spoken, you guys will see him next Saturday. I'm sure you, everyone's got a good show cooking for us this week. Lance, you got something good for us? Yeah, man. We actually have Mark Gunnels from FS1 out there in LA. He's coming on the show this week. It's been a long time coming. My brother, Mark Gunnels, he's actually the guy. They got OBJ to reply this last week and said it ain't out of the ain't out of the conversation that the Chiefs can get him out there. So that's why I'm 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 holding hope. Trust me, I'm gonna get Mark to talk a lot about that, and expand on that. He's in LA right now, so proud of that guy. Can't wait to talk to him, man. We're gonna talk a lot of Chiefs, man. So be ready, guys. Saturday at 11 a.m. Central Time. Be ready. Can't wait. Can't wait. Hey, man, Maybe. Listen, I, I just want to tell everybody, man. Look, be excited for your Chiefs, man. They your boys are looking good. They looking good out there, man. Right. All right. So, yeah, absolutely. So keep supporting these guys for what they've been doing, man. They are looking phenomenal, okay? Stay with these guys all the way through. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Anybody anybody who's doubting this team uh, being number one in the AFC right now, I – you can't, you can't, you can't reason with that. You can't reason with crazy. <laughs> Look, but I told you, I said, you know, sometimes on Twitter, it don't matter what you say. You can say something good. Somebody's always going to oppose you for whatever reason. <laughs> I, I made this point to Marcus. I said, you could say babies are cute. Somebody would be like, yeah, but they cry all the time, so they're ugly. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, somebody just, but for no reason. Like, what? Like, what? Like, but, you know, don't pay, don't pay attention to the noise, man. You know, all of that, if you hating on the Chiefs for whatever reason, you're just having a hard hard time with yourself, all right? So I hope everything gets better for you, all right? Yeah, no joke. That's a you problem. That's a you That's problem. right. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> all right, fellas. Well, we'll see you guys next Sunday. Uh, it's going to be a uh, Chiefs Concerns uh, post-game show after dark because um, we got we got our game got flexed to Sunday night at L.A., so we'll see you guys next Sunday night. So around, around midnight next Sunday, we'll do it again, guys. All right, take it easy. Hi, everybody. Thanks for watching. Subscribe here to get the latest from the show. Also, be sure to check out the best clips from Chief Concerns. And if you prefer to listen to the show, subscribe and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you get podcasts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.